We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Last time I spoke, um, I suggested a theme for, for the year, Christ-like. And that's not a bad theme, is it? That's a good theme. And I suggested that we make 2021 who we want to be instead of all the stuff we want to do. Make it your goal to be like Christ, to be Christ-like. And we're going to unpack that over the next few weeks. I'm going to read from the book of Colossians. We're reading through Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians over the next few weeks. They're just short parts of the Bible, just a chapter a day. Probably takes about five minutes to read through those ones. But I'm going to read a couple of verses from Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 10. And it says, Just as you have accepted Christ, Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. That's good. Let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thanksgiving. There's a little, uh, little test on how you're going. What are you overflowing with? What are you overflowing with? Just look at the person next to you. How do they look? What's their overflow? I'd encourage you, let's make it our goal to overflow with thanksgiving. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thanksgiving. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world and th- rather from, from Christ. If you want to know where to find that, just look on the internet. There's lots of that stuff. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ. You know, I wonder how many times we try to get something else to complete us. I just need this. And then I'll be complete. We're complete through our union with Christ. He is the head over every ruler and authority. That's talking about governments. It's talking about spiritual forces. It's talking about everything. He's above it all. I, I like that. When you look at, sort of dissect it, it says, as you, as you accepted him, that happens in a moment, You've got to continue to follow him. That's a journey. And let your roots grow down, talking about strength. Let your lives be built, talking about growing in stature, overflowing with thanks, thankfulness. This is how we become Christ-like. And we'll be complete in him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I pray maybe you'll speak to us today in a new way. Put your finger on something in the word and in our lives that we can be encouraged, that we can be made more like you. Amen. I want to tell you that God is at work in you now. Whether you know it or not, whether you even realise it or not, whether you even believe in God or not, God is at work in you. And his main goal is to see you become like Christ. One of my favourite verses in the Bible is Ephesians 3 verse 10 and I think we've got it. For you, for we are, I'm going to change the tense, for you are God's masterpiece. He's talking about you individually and us corporately. Masterpiece. You ever thought yourself a masterpiece? A painting? 
Ooh, an old master. Any Picassos out there? Anyone know what Picasso is? Any art critics? I'm a little bit like a Picasso at times. Um, you are God's... The word is craftsmanship. The word is a, it's a word that means sort of poetry. God is writing you. God is making you. God, it's like God is an artisan. And he has created us anew in Christ. Wow. So we can do the good things he's planned for us. You're a masterpiece. We're a masterpiece. You are poetry. And as we become like Christ, as he makes us, we're walking, we'll walk in the plans he has for us. I've found that one of the most common questions that people have is, I want to know what God's will for me is. Anyone want to know that? Well, this verse says, you know, we're created in Christ so we can walk the plans he has for us. The more we become like Jesus, the more we'll be walking in the plans he has for us. You won't have to try and find what they are. Being Christ is what they are. And, uh, you know, the Bible is full of references to this. You know, sometimes we've tried to find our own will of God. We try to search the scriptures until I find something that lines up with what I want, want to do. I'll, I'll choose that one. I find if our goal is to become like Christ, hey, he changes, he forms the desires, he forms those things within us and we start to walk in his, his ways. You know, in the New Testament, um, the believers were called Christians not as a compliment. It was actually a derogatory sort of term. And it's, oh, you're just like a little Jesus. That's what it was. And they embraced it. I thought, well, that's all right. It's because they sort of acted like Jesus. And that's what a Christian sort of is. It's not just we believe. It's, it's we become like Christ. If you make it your goal to know Jesus and become like him, it will result in you discovering his plans. Not only discovering them, but fulfilling them, walking in them. Uh, becoming Christ-like will direct what you do in life and also how you do it. There's a way to do things, a Christ-like way. Uh, you know what's needed in our world? More of the character, the compassion, the natures and the values of Christ. That's what our world needs. And Jesus lived full of the Spirit of God. His relationship with his, his Father, his spirituality formed his inner life and that directed his, what he did. It was pretty simple. And I believe and I'm convinced that God's primary goal for you and for me is to make us Christ-like. Um, Jesus said, follow me and I will, what did he say? Make you. We follow him and he makes us. I want to present four sort of artisans, four artisans, as a picture of how God makes us. And so you're not surprised when things happen in this year because he's going to make you more like Jesus. And uh, the first one is a sculptor. Chipping away, then a gardener, then an author, then a potter. These are ways that God works on us to make us more like Jesus. So I want you to imagine yourself as a lump of marble. Okay? Some of you, that's easier than others, just like a lump of marble. 
And uh, I read about Michelangelo, not the Ninja Turtle, but the, you know, the, the Grandmaster. And uh, he would look at a piece of marble for ages. Go on this side, go on that side. And someone asked him, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking for the angel within. And then he'd get up there and he'd start chipping away. And sometimes he'd go frantically. And sometimes he'd go for two or three days, almost without stopping and eating. And then other times he'd, he'd, he'd walk back and have a look and leave it for a few days and come up and then do some of the finer bits. And he was, his goal was to release the angel within the marble. Release the angel within. Christ in me. Christ is your sculpture. And we're so focused, often we're focused on things we need to add to our life. I need to add this. I need to do this course. I need to get this possession, this new thing. I need this relationship. Whatever it might be, these things added to my life to make me more blessed. Well, the sculpture is actually more about taking things away. So Christ is revealed. It's about the parts that are removed so his light can shine through us because we have Christ in us when we believe. We have Christ in us. And sometimes we just need to get some stuff out of the way. And uh, sometimes God will work on your life and he'll be frantically chipping away and you're wondering what's happened. And other times it looks like he's not there. He's sort of standing back and have a look. Let me remind you that what we become is way more important than what we do. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run the race with endurance. The Passion Version says this, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame and now seated at the place of honour beside God's throne. I want to encourage you, let go of things that don't complement Jesus. Uh, you know, what are they? Well, their attitudes and practices, things we get up to, things that don't look so good to let Christ shine through. That can be all sorts of things. I mean, the Bible points some things out, like Ephesians 4, verse 31, says, get rid of all bitterness and rage, anger and harsh words. He's talking to Christians there. They don't, they don't fall off automatically. We have to cooperate. And slander and all sorts of evil behaviour. That's, that's a good start, that one. Uh, that's a good verse for your fridge, isn't it? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander and all sorts of evil behaviour. Put that right next to, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the Bible tells us to put things off. Allow him to chip away and don't carry the chip on your shoulder. Don't carry the load around, it just weighs you down. Christ is your sculpture. So when you see that happening this year, hey, rejoice, he's working on me. He's also a gardener. Uh, my wife is a gardener. I used to be a gardener until I got decommissioned by my wife. I'm just there for watering and labouring now.
John chapter 15 says this, verse 1. Jesus speaking, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more fruit. You have already been pruned and purified by the message or my words I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So Christ is your gardener. In this picture, he's the vine which we connect to. So, you know, stay connected to Jesus. So his love and his grace um, comes through. But he's also pruning us. Who likes the sound of that? Pruning. Um, to make us more like Jesus. It's a bit different than chipping away. Chipping away was so we can, Christ can be revealed within. Pruning's for a different reason. Pruning is for fruitfulness, isn't it? Those gardeners here, you'll know you, you prune your trees so they'll be more fruitful. It's, it's a different reason. New growth. Uh, we, we had some roses at our house. When we got to our house, we had roses which are no longer there, and they'd been there about 80 years. And they were just like these crazy bushes with about three flowers on them and about 5,000 spines. And you had sort of chainsaw job to try and prune them. And so we pruned them because they were sad and sorry and they looked like just the shadow of their former glory, this three stumps sticking out the ground. And um, if the rose bush wants to be more fruitful or show more flowers, it's got to take pruning on the chin, doesn't it? Come on, take it on the chin, rose bush. Christ is the gardener and he's actually committed to pruning us. Um, he's your gardener and he removes the parts that don't bear fruit um, but he also prunes the parts that have been bearing fruit so we can produce even more fruit change stuff in our lives that it's been working for us for years and all of a sudden we feel like I need to change that or God's putting his finger on my heart to, to change it I don't want to change that it's been working for so long but God's word for us is, yeah, I know it's been fruitful, but it'll be even more fruitful if you allow me just to take a bit of that away. I'm just going to tweak you a little bit. Change your focus. And we think God, you know, he never touched that stuff. That's been serving me for years. I've been doing that for years and I've been strong in God because of that. And he says, yeah, I'm gonna, just going to change it a little bit just so you have a growth in a new area. And uh, we get a little bit nervous with that sort of thing, but allow God to prune us. And it tells us in those verses how he prunes us. He says, by my message or by my word, or the word of God. And um, as we open up the word of God, as we listen to it here or somewhere else, or whatever it might be, God speaks to us. We hear a Bible in the sermon in a small group. His word in the Bible is considered like a two-edged sword. I want you to imagine it as a pair of secateurs. And uh, it can prune things off our life. What, what happens? We see our attitudes in there that need to be maybe changed, pruned, or adjust our thinking or our actions, the way we treat people, maybe change our expectations a little bit, our desires, our dreams, our priorities. And some stuff looks really good. Who's ever had a fruit tree that looks great? Nice leaves, but no fruit. It's like a Christmas tree, you know? It's got all these baubles, but it's not fruit. It looks nice, 
that's not fruitful. And they're the, often the things that God wants to prune from our lives because it might look good on the outside, but it's not going to do you any good. And how does pruning happen? Well, I think we have a choice. You know, God will speak to us, like I said, in a meeting like this or as you're listening or reading or whatever it might be, the Holy Spirit might just speak into your heart. And we hear and we activate the pruning by actually doing what God says. And when we don't do it, God's actually, he says, okay, I'll try another method. So, uh, you know, it might be some circumstances in our life. And if that doesn't work, he'll try something else. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So I, I suggest when God whispers something, that's the time to do something. Um, I found when I pruned, used to prune my roses, I got my, I went to Cheapest Chips and got my $5 secateurs. We've got better ones now. And you get about three nice cuts and then they start to go blunt. The rose bush sees you come and it starts shaking with fear. And instead of snipping them off, you're sort of chewing them off. And the poor tree's got things hanging off it. And because um, the edge is dull, instead of cutting it, it's just making a whole lot of mess. And that's when, when the secateur's a bit dull. So we worked out pretty quick, you need to sharpen them to make them effective. And I think it's the same with the word of God. We keep it sharp in our life and it does its work well and quick. It's not torturous. <laughs> How do we keep it sharp? Well, I think in that verse it says, well, just remain close to God. That's one thing we can do. Um, Get the word into our life. That's how we sharpen it. As we attend to his word, it, it keeps sharp. And, you know, the pruning isn't a huge thing. It's just part of life. I encourage you to keep the word sharp because God wants to be your gardener. He's a sculpture. He's a gardener. He's also an author. That sounds less painful, doesn't it? We'll go for that one. Um, have you ever read the book and then met an author? Yeah, and then all of a sudden you've got a different appreciation for the book because you met the author, you had a chat. I think I might read that again. And you sort of read it with different eyes because you've had a chat to her or him or whoever it is and you've got a different sort of investment in the book. Yeah, and, uh, you know, someone comes to you, yeah, you read that book? Yes, and I met the author. Look, they've written in the front. Um, we have the book. The book's about Jesus, and uh, we got the author of the book. Lots of people wrote this book, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's sort of like a bit of a biography about Jesus, and Jesus is the author as well. And um, although lots of different people wrote the book, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the author of the written word of God, the book has lots of things in it, but it's primarily about him. And the best way to know this book is to know the author. John chapter 1, uh, verse 1, he, John was trying to explain about, a bit about Jesus. And he says, in the beginning, talking about Jesus, the word existed. So it's got a capital W because it's talking about Jesus. The word was with God and the word was God. He's trying to paint this. This is actually a poem. 
these, these first verses of John are a poem. He existed in the beginning. God created everything through him. This is Jesus. Jesus was the word that was spoken. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything. Wow. That was created. And his life brought light to everything. And that's, sometimes you read that, what's the, all that about? It's actually a poetic picture trying to describe how awesome Jesus is, how he was there and he spoke and things came into, begin, into being. So we have a book, The Word of God, about a person, Jesus, and we have an author. I'm going to call this the, living, the, the written word in Jesus. I'm going to call the living word of God. It's sort of a biography, and the best way to understand it is to know the author. And you know this, this Bible is full of principles, and it's not always easy to understand. And the best way to understand what it's saying is to know, have a chat with the author. In fact, some of the principles are confusing. Can I just show you one? Proverbs chapter 24, 26. We've got verse 4. Oh, yeah, verse 4 and 5. Look at this. This is the first principle in Proverbs. Don't answer foolish argument, arguments of fools, or you will become foolish as they are. So what, what do you do? Well, you don't answer fools. What's the second verse? Be sure to answer foolish arguments of fools. What? As they will become wise in their own estimation. Well, which one is it? Do I, do I answer them or do I don't answer them? Or don't I answer them? Which one do I do? Well, it depends. Or well, how do I know which situation it is? Well, have a chat to the author. And one will come alive. That's why you just can't rip a verse out of the Bible. Or, you know. And those are right next to one another, just to mess with your mind a little bit. Get to know the author. That's why we need the living word. We need to know the author. The spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, makes the word come alive and puts his finger on the things that are for us. That's why we can read a verse many times and then all of a sudden we read it again and wow, I never saw that before. That's the living word of God. And it changes us to be more like Jesus. He's an author and he's using the word to make us more Christ-like. Sculptor, gardener and author. I've got one more for you. The potter. Anyone here done pottery on the wheel? Yeah, there we go. A couple of potters back there. Isaiah 64, verse 8. And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter, and we are formed by your hand. Let's say uh, life is like the potter's wheel. goes round and round and round. And you're a lump of clay. Some of you couldn't you know, see yourself as a piece of marble. How about a lump of clay? We're a lump of clay, and what's, what, do they, what does the clay do on the potter's wheel? We'll just go sort of like that, a few times. And each week, you know, things come around. Each week, Sunday comes around and you might gather here. And, well, it's the same sort of thing as last week. It seems the same. I don't know if anything's happening, but we can't see what's happening. But all of a sudden, you feel a bit of refreshing maybe in worship. It's like water going on, you know. And whenever God wants to mould something, it always puts the water refreshing on. Anyone tried to mould clay on a potter's wheel without water? It's, it's not good. It's a train wreck. So all of a sudden we feel the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. And then we feel the, like the hand of God just 
guiding us a little bit, changing some attitudes, and he's forming a vessel. And all of a sudden, we're this beautiful bowl. Yes, God's been forming me. I'm ready to serve God. And what does he do? Well, he takes it off the wall and he puts it on the shelf. I thought I was ready to go, just sitting up on the shelf. Now, potters, what do you stick it on the shelf for? To dry it out. So get rid of those air bubbles, otherwise you're in strife later on. And uh, sometimes we know God is forming us, God is mating us, and we think we're ready to go, and all of a sudden we're left on the shelf. Well, it seems like we're left on the shelf. And we look ready, but we're not quite ready. And uh, we, it's got to dry for a while. And then what happens after that? You've got to stick it in the... Um, the kiln, the furnace. So we think we're ready to go and then the potter comes up to us, finally he's going to use me and he starts heading for the fire. No, 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 no. Save me, God. We start praying prayers like, no, God, save me, deliver me. And, and it's like God saying, yeah, I'm getting you ready. You need to go in the, in the furnace. You're ready for the next stage. You're going to be used by God. Christ, our potter, is committed to making us like Christ. And last time I read about Christ, he went through all sorts of situations. He even suffered a bit. I didn't know that was part of the deal. <laughs> and um, count it all joy when we go through these various trials because the testing or the firing of our faith produces Christ, produces endurance. That's how character is formed. I'm not sure I like that part. I want to encourage you to embrace the potter. Uh, and when life just seems like it's on repeat, I don't think anything's happening, embrace that. When the refreshing times come, embrace that. When you're sitting on the shelf, embrace that. When you're heading for the fire, embrace that. The comfortable and the uncomfortable parts because God is making something powerful. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, I haven't got this, I don't think, but it's, this is from the Passion Version. It says this, We are all like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary outflow of power will be seen as coming from God, not from us. Wow. Sculptor, a gardener, author and a potter see god is making you and i just wanted to show those pictures because this year you'll see those pictures at times and you'll see what's happening god is with you and sometimes the times will seem like it look it'll feel like he's not because of what's happening but he is and he'll use every situation he'll chip things away he'll form you he'll uh, prune certain parts of your life he wants to make the word come alive and speak to you and he wants to mould you and to make you into something that will show the glory of God in such a powerful way Amen I have the team back up let's pray Lord we want to be like Jesus we know you called us to be like Jesus 
And we know that you love us so much that you're committed to taking us on a journey. You love us as we are. You accept us as we are. But you're committed to changing us into the image of Christ. You don't want to leave us as we are. Lord, and I pray that the fruit of the Spirit, which just describes the powerful love of God, the love, the joy, the peace, will just flood people's soul. Lord God, I pray people, as well as this, they'll feel the embrace of God, because we know that as well as these things, God is also our healer. He's also our shepherd. He's also the comforter, the counsellor. He's many other things. And right now I pray that people will sense uh, the comfort of God, the power of God, the healing nature of God's arms around them, Lord. The Spirit will fill people up and it will be like, um, like a dry place becoming well-watered, becoming refreshed in Jesus' name. Let's just sing this and, and, um, and I pray as we sing this song to finish off that uh, you'll sense the hand of God, the touch of God on your life.